This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. Picture yourself with other high-level entrepreneurs in the northern mountains of Thailand, October 26, 2017. It will be full of masterminds, workshops, advisors, like-minded entrepreneurs, and of course, some fun adventure. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to contact us ASAP at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now, on to today's episode. Could you imagine being in a bar in Singapore, having a few drinks and getting into a conversation with another guy at the bar about starting a business? The next night, you and your newfound friend meet up and start working on the idea. Fast forward a few years, and now you run a business that generates over a million per year while living in your favorite city on earth. Mark is the co-founder of AuthorityHacker.com and HealthAmbition.com. On the show today, Mark shares a story about meeting his now business partner and how they built their business up into a seven-figure location independent business. Mark also discusses the science behind six-figure launches, selling high-ticket four-figure courses, and getting a half a million visitors per month to their website. You guys, I'm really excited about this podcast. Let's jump into the show. Welcome, Mark, to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Chris. How are you doing yourself? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking and calling in from Budapest, right? Budapest, Hungary, the one and only, that's right. Uh, surely we had somebody on the show from Budapest, but tell me what you like about Budapest. Uh, Bud- Budapest is the best city in the world, and yeah. I, I, I say that as someone who's lived here for seven years. Uh, the way I always explain it to people is it's kind of like uh, Top Trumps, if you ever played that when you were a kid. Uh, you'd have these like we, we in the UK we had football players so they'd have all these different stats like attacking passing defense and no one would be kind of good at them all someone would be either good at one but not at the other so Budapest kind of like has just a very high average of all the things you would look for if you're looking for a city to live like the internet speeds super fast it's cheap has a really good culture the the communication links is very easy to get around uh, apartment prices are cheap. It's just, it really is the perfect place, especially for the sort of digital nomad type type person. I think it might actually even be number one on uh, nomad list at the moment. Is it? Oh, that's uh, impressive. Yeah. I've heard amazing things, but I've never been up there. But you mentioned too, you're spending a lot of time in Dubai. Yeah, I am. Uh, not not through uh, through through choice. I'm not not the biggest <laughs> fan of uh, fan of Dubai. I'm not not really uh, into the whole shopping thing or spending fifteen dollars on a beer either. So, <laughs> tell us uh, what. Tell us some of the things you do not like about Dubai. Um, so basically, it, look, it's not a bad place, and if you want to go visit for for a weekend or something, that's it's great. Um, it's just it's quite like a new city, and there's not really any history. There's not really any kind of real center to it you can't walk around uh it's quite sort of um pretentious in a way like mm. people will if you go to a a club there you'll have like the regular regular people then you'll have like six different levels of vip tables and people wow. with like bottles and sparklers and it's just like nobody's really there to have fun you know yeah um so yeah not really a fan of the place i'm, I'm not really a big shopper either so uh, and Dubai's that's that's kind of there's malls everywhere. So <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Well, thanks for joining us, Mark. We're glad to have you on the show. You guys, as we mentioned in the intro, Mark is the are you the the sole founder of Authority Hacker or do you guys have No, no. So uh co founder. So co-founder. myself and Gail Breton. Uh we, we founded it together. When did you guys start Authority Hacker? 
Um, so we started it back in, I think it was 2014. Uh, but Gail and I had actually been working together for uh, about four years prior to that. Mm-hmm. We had a, like a digital marketing agency business together. Um, so we've been sort of, uh, we've been working together for, for quite some time. How long were you guys running uh, the digital marketing agency before? Uh, so I, I think it was August 2010, which we, we started. Funny story, actually. We, we, so we met randomly in a bar in, in Singapore, and uh, we were both on our way to Kuala Lumpur at the time. Uh, and we sort of became friends and were hanging out. And we just got drunk one night and decided it'd be a good idea to start a business <laughs> together. So I love it. literally the next night, we, we stayed up most of the night and just like planned it out. And uh, got the website up, got some SEO packages we were selling back then uh, up. And that's, it, it took a while, but that's kind of how it started. <laughs> and it, that's just a, a great testimonial to anybody that's thinking about doing a digital nomad thing or location independent entrepreneur thing. You never know. You might find your next business partner in a bar in Singapore. <laughs> oh, it's, it's it's amazing. I mean, I, I don't really drink too much alcohol anymore. Uh, I'm getting getting too old for that. But uh, <laughs> definitely, some of the best sort of connections and and you know business deals that that, that I've had uh, back in my twenties were uh, were were fueled through through alcohol. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think you know during that time in your twenties, you know your early twenties, you have such big dreams. I mean, not that we don't anymore, but like you had the whole world in front of you, your whole life in front of you. And you get a little beer in you too and and ideas start to uh flow back and forth and and you get to exchange ideas and who knows, you could have the next authority hacker. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. Uh and I think even at some of these like big conferences, I, I've been to a few of them. Um, you know, all of the real deals, all of the real sort of connections, it always happens in the bar afterwards at the end of the day, you know, it's not <laughs> right. in the networking sessions at lunchtime. So. Right. Yeah. They go to the bar and talk about it a little bit and get to know each other. Voila. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see the stats of like how many major businesses that reached a certain level of success, like started from a conversation over a drink. I bet there'd be quite a few. I bet I bet there's a lot actually. Um, it, it's an interesting topic though. Actually, um, I was listening to this history podcast called Hardcore History. Yeah, and one of the episodes was about um, like historical figures and historical events um, like throughout history, which were influenced by alcohol and possibly other substances as well. Oh, wow. And uh, Dan Carlin, the the the, um, the host of the show, was sort of talking about how many of these like big events and wars and stuff were were quite possibly started, but when you know just someone was a bit drunk or you know decided to do something on a on a limb. So wow, you know. <laughs> do you have any any ones that he mentioned off the top of your head? Uh, I can't remember specifically. It's like Alexander the Great uh, was was apparently you know drunk quite a lot of the time. Churchill uh, as well. Um, and obviously the Russians, you know, all of the time, but yeah, <laughs> uh, not a stereotype at all. But <laughs> no, <laughs> let's talk authority hacker, man. Authority hacker is, I wouldn't call it a household name, but for people in the internet world, you know, it's a, it's a pretty common name that gets thrown around quite a bit. And you guys started it, um, a few years after your, well, yeah, a few years after you started your digital agency, 
tell us more about Authority Hacker, the stats on it. Like, what are you guys doing today? Sure. So uh, I'll explain sort of first how we got started with that, uh, then then sort of move, move through the timeline. Um, but basically, we Gail and I had this this marketing agency. We we're doing all this like cool marketing stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, we sort of realized, hey, we're, we're just making other people money. So we were growing their businesses for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one specific case I remember quite well when it was we did such a good job for one of the clients that he couldn't handle any more orders. Mm-hmm. So he fired us. So he, we, we got fired for doing too good of a job. Wow. Um, so that sort of. I mean, there were other things as well, but that sort of made me realize, like, look, if we want to really go beyond the, the sort of agency level, uh, move from moving from six to seven figures, then, you know, we, we got to create our own websites. We got to create our own properties and sort of um, create value in an asset there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the motivation to, to do it. Uh, and we actually started two websites at the same time. So Authority Hacker and Health Ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, we just picked health as a as a niche to go into just randomly there wasn't really too much choice to it, uh, too much logic to it um <laughs> and we created authority hacker as a way to kind of force us to document what we we're doing to document our processes to talk about how we were achieving the success that we were hopefully going to achieve with with health ambition um now obviously both of, on both these sites we're utilizing tools and even some team members at the the very start from from our agency business um, but a- a- after a while, we ended up selling that that agency business, and we focused on this full time. Um, as we transitioned, we we still weren't really making too much money off of uh, Health Ambition or Authority Hacker, um, although some of the traffic figures, especially on Health Ambition, were starting to go quite well. Um, so yeah, we we start sort of running that for a while, and then we decided on Authority Hacker to um, create a product. Um, so we, we played around with a few ideas here and there and eventually settled on this idea of creating like a membership area. So, uh, you could pay like a monthly fee and get access to a bunch of blueprints, which we call, we called them, which were really just sort of like step by step tutorials on certain topics. Um, and then that eventually evolved. Uh, we can go into that if you want from, from like a monthly membership fee to like a one-off, uh, high ticket item. Um, if I'm honest with you, the, the reason we, we made that sort of transition was more um, to get rid of the pressure of having to produce new content every month for the, the course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> That's good. Yeah, but, but yeah, so it, it kind of flipped the, the model around a little bit and we, we started doing these big launches, mm-hmm. um, which, which we've had a lot of success with. Um, and then more recently, we've actually so the Authority Hacker Pro, which was our the, the big course we created, um, it's more focused on sort of existing site owners, like how can you like teaching them how to get more traffic, more sales, to do certain things. And the idea is that they can just come in and like, yeah, you know, let's say I want to get into doing I don't know display ads, then there'll be like a step by step instructions for how to implement that on your on your site. Um, so then we also decided to create like a newbie program. So because we had a lot of beginners coming into our course that maybe some of that stuff was a bit too advanced for. Mm-hmm. So we also created that. So the idea really is to to appeal to both beginners and advanced marketers. But um, yeah, I guess I guess that's it. How big is the authority hacking community now? 
Um, oh, I need to check. There's there's like 700 and something people in the the pro Facebook group and another few hundred in the the beginners one. And I think we've had something like between two and three thousand um, sales in total, uh, which doesn't sound like much, but it's like a um, you know, the maximum cart value is I think like $3,500 or something. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. What are some tips that you could give Mark about, you know, you're selling a lot of high ticket four figure courses for people that are out there that really want to either move to high ticket or create courses that are at that level. What are some recommendations that you would give? So, I mean, what worked well for us uh, was just really over-delivering on, on value at the, at the very start. So at, at its core, uh, we try and produce really good content, uh, which is better than, than, than our competition. Um, we're, we're not always trying to reinvent the wheel. A lot of these things have been sort of talked, talked through before. I mean, guest posting is an example of a, a kind of topic which is covered a lot and you can get a lot of free information about that. Mm-hmm. But we just try and uh, get our, the way we communicate and, um, explain that. Um, we try and make it into sort of as actionable a way as, as, as possible. Um, so when you have that at its, its core, it's much easier to sort of market. So, Initially, we started with like a, I think it was thirty-seven bucks a month, which for all of the content which was in there at the time was really good value, and people got got a lot out of it. Um, and really, at the, the start, we did we did a lot of uh, like hand holding, um, so we would actually give a lot of people who signed up like free one-on-one calls, even, mm-hmm. um, and it just sort of like created this really awesome community of of people who were having a lot of success out of our products. Um, early on and that then enabled us to do more advanced things later on like you know get awesome testimonials and you know that that sort of thing as well but but having this core sort of um, community um, was kind of the 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 center point for for all the other marketing activities I I, I think we did Um, and the important thing as well is um, in when creating our content was that we didn't want to be these so in the IM space it's quite quite popular that people will tell you how to do internet marketing but mm. they're not actually doing it themselves <laughs> except for their own course so I, I, I've seen this quite a few times the you know the first niche someone will get into is the internet marketing space mm-hmm. when they're still le- learning internet marketing so it, for us it not only did it feel like a bit of a contradiction um, like personally but uh, in order to like demonstrate what we're doing people we wanted to make sure that we were actually practicing what we preached so that's why we, we sort of had the health ambition going alongside it and yeah. that enabled us to use actual real examples um in almost everything we were doing um which i think also sort of helped to to, to kind of like sell the course in in a way are you enjoying today's episode i hope so we're working hard to pick the minds of higher level entrepreneurs to bring you some applicable tactics for your business october 26th we will have our most impactful event ever the experience includes workshops masterminds advisors high-speed wi-fi at a beautiful resort complex so if you're ready to seriously take your business to the next level contact us at theentrepreneurhouse.com and now back to the show so Health Ambition now, it's healthambition.com for you guys that are listening, yep. has half a million visitors per month. And I'm kind of curious, like, what are some tactics that you recommend? I mean, anybody would love half a million visitors per month to their website. What are some tricks that are working out there today that you recommend other people do? 
Uh, so the two biggest things for us have been um, scaling content and scaling link building. Um, so um, in order to scale content, the approach we took was we would define content types. So for example, we would have um, a best X for Y uh, content type. So that might be you know, best multivitamin for women over 40. That would be one one example of that. And for that content type, we would have a really sort of rigid structure. So it would start off with, uh, you know, comparing the top five, maybe a little table. Then it would go into talking about what the actual, uh, what multivitamins did. Then it would go on to sort of reviewing five products. Uh, and we constructed these content templates in such a way and with sort of uh, supporting information that, almost any writer that knew the topic could look at this content template, understand what they needed to do, and they would produce content which looked and felt and set and read the same. Um, so that, that in that way, we could uh, hire lots of writers to actually um, write this content, and it would kind of uh, create the same brand image. Uh, but it also allowed us to to grow really quickly. Um, and I think we got better results out of the writers whom whom we did hire. Um, so that was that was kind of key to, to scaling the actual content production side of things. Um, in the past, I've worked on websites where when we tried to scale content production, it would, uh, it would kind of get a bit messy as different writers came in with different styles and often quality can kind of, uh, you know, go down the pan a little bit. Um, when you when you start you know producing tens of blog posts every single day, mm-hmm. um, so that was that was on the content side. On the link building side, um, j- just to sort of position this, like Gail and I, we originally came from a sort of gray hats uh, SEO side of things. Back when we started our agency, at least we uh, we were into all the sort of article marketing robot and you know these these software tools that that would you know worked very very well you know, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, um, one time we got, we got caught, I think it was the Google penguin update. The first one, um, we got like 80% of our clients penalized or something. And so oh. after, after that, <laughs> it wasn't a very nice day. After that, we sort of swore off gray hat and we were like, okay, we, we never want to be in this situation again. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are some people that, that, that make it work, but for us, we chose to, uh, to, to sort of have a, um, pure pure white hat uh, perspective. So um, for all of the kind of common white hat techniques, talking like guest posting or skyscraper, um, we do them all. Um, but we started by just picking one, which is skyscraper technique. So Brian Dean from Backlinko popularized it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just really tr- like taking one single part of that process and trying to improve it and make it as efficient as possible. So one mistake a lot of people make when they try and sort of scale link building especially is they look at the whole thing and they're trying to you know do everything at once and then they end up never getting anywhere um so we realized you know the initial the initial way it's not really that efficient of a, of a process but we would take um for example the competitor research like uh we're using a tool called ahrefs to to analyze um who was linking to our competitors mm-hmm. um, and so we figured out okay, just really down to the microsecond kind of level. Like, okay, if we want to, 
you know, get the sheets for all of these sites, then this is the URL format. And we built a little tool that would enable us to generate those really quickly. And, you know, that one thing maybe saved us 10 minutes a day or something. Um, but when you do that, you know, every week or every couple of weeks, do a round of process improvement. Uh, over time, that really, really stacks up. And we were, you know, at, at this point, we're sending out, you know, hundreds of emails a day and getting, you know, uh, 50 to 100 white hat links a week. So, right. Uh, so the launches that you guys are doing, tell us which you would recommend or the science that you guys use behind getting a good like six-figure product launch, the promotions you're doing beforehand, how long you take to prep for that, uh, the amount of time collectively that it takes. Okay, sure. So we most of the kind of structure for how we do our launch comes from, uh, is borrowed from videofruit.com. Um, the guy, I forget his name now. I think it's Brian something as well. Um, he, he did, he wrote a really interesting blog post that sort of outlined step by step what, what they do. So we basically copied that. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, cr created the same. So the structure is roughly something like this. We'll have a, a pre-launch phase or a build up phase. Um, and that's all about, um, delivering a lot of content, which, um, first and foremost, is going to round up all of your, um, readers and all of your, uh, listeners, depending on the, the, the format from all of your channels. So we have a fairly active podcast, so we'll all, all, always do some kind of build up content on the podcast. Uh, in the past, we've done things such as giveaways, uh, using a tool called gleam.io, um, to, uh, to run those. Um, we usually do some kind of like blog post, which often tells a story, gets people sort of pumped up, engaged. Um, and, and it, we don't really do too much video, but if we did, we'd do some kind of video as, as well. And the idea is that we're, we're trying to get all of our, um, subscribers in all the various forms and funnel them in towards, um, in this case, a, a launch webinar. So we'll create a webinar, which has maybe an hour or so of like value, but it's like really, really high value stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we give away some of our best secrets from inside the course in this webinar. Um, and then um, it slowly transitions from uh, like a info webinar into a sales pitch for Authority Hacker Pro in this case. Um, something which we've done recently in the, the webinars, uh, which improve things even further, is create like a bonus so if you buy by the end of this webinar, you get X. And in the last last one, it was a, a number of additional sort of copy copy-paste templates, which we created specifically for that webinar. At, at the end of the webinar, it then transitions into the actual car open launch phase. Um, and in that in that phase, we start off with a, an early bird discount. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people are actually against the whole discounting uh, culture, um, but what we found overwhelmingly is that um, the more scarcity points we can create within the launch, uh, mm -hmm. the more sales we get, like by a hu huge amount. So most people, they're buying. I mean, there's always going to be people that buy as soon as the the car opens. Um, that technically is a scarcity point since you can't buy our course outside of the launches at all. Um, so then the, the early bird phase was like a bit of a discount. And then leading up towards the end of that, um, we're, we're emailing people who are on our list saying, you know, the price is going up, et cetera. Um, and that for us is always like the biggest, uh, biggest sales spike. 
Um, then what we've done is once the price goes up, we'll add a limited time offer of like a, a bonus product. Um, so if people buy during that 24 hours or however long it would be, they'll, they'll get an extra bonus. And then obviously that, that goes away. So that's creating another scarcity point. We do the same thing with payment plans. We, we introduce this concept called a fair payment plan. So mm-hmm. normally, normally you, um, by, by using a payment plan, you, there's a bit of a markup there. And then the final closing point, you know, you'll never be able to get it again until next year. Um, so during each of those, um, phases, we're emailing our, our users about, you know, with testimonials, with information about the course and the benefits and whatnot. But really, it's focused around reminding them that there is a looming deadline and they need to take action before that point. Otherwise, they lose the ability to get X. Um, so that's that's worked tremendously well for us. And uh, we've we, we kind of built our, our whole launch model around these these scarcity points. Going back to the payment plans, what would you say is the average amount of people that sign up for the course that actually use a payment plan? Um, oh, I need to need to check our stats, but uh, ten to fifteen percent. I'd say. Really interesting. Yeah. I'm curious. If, I wonder if you get five to fifteen percent more people that sign up because you're using the payment plan, or if or if it just happens to be the same amount would sign up. They just like the payment plan option. What are your thoughts? Yes. So uh, I think it's uh, ten to fifteen percent more because we actually only introduced the payment plan like in the second phase, so after the early bird's gone. Okay. So if you wanna if you wanna buy it and get the best price, you should buy it in the, the early bird, no question. Um, the payment plan's only added once the price has gone gone up a little bit. So um, for that reason I, I I think it works. The other thing I would say is a lot of people are worried about um, or, or a lot of people don't like payment plans because they they feel that some people will just buy it and then you know not finish the payment plan and they they kind of feel as the product owner they feel a bit cheated by that mm-hmm. but what i would also say is that the people who are going to do that are going to do it anyway they'll find a way to like refund your products and stuff so it, you just kind of have to accept that that side of things is a bit of a cost of doing business really yeah that's a good point let's talk transparency uh, you guys have been pretty transparent about authority hacker and health ambition. And so I'm kind of curious if you don't mind sharing some of your financial numbers on the side of the business, what type of revenue slash profit you guys have. And then I think we'll go into further details about the growth of the business and maybe how you guys manage money within the business too. Uh, Sure. Okay. So this year um, is a little bit complicated because we're a UK company and for some reason they run the tax year from like the 25th of April to the 24th of April the following year or something, but mm-hmm. I, we're on track to do uh, from Authority Hacker and Health Ambition around 1.2, 1.4 million this year in revenue. Nice. Um, we have a, a number of other sites uh, as well. I don't really want to disclose financials around them, mm-hmm. um, but what I would say is that we we've actually because we're still a fairly young company. Um, we've actually been reinvesting a lot of our profits or a lot of our income at the moment into into growth. So we've we've grown our team quite significantly. You know, two years ago it was just Gail and myself, and now we've we sort of have uh, seven or eight people working for us, um, plus a bunch more uh, in our in our writing team um, who are who are sort of freelancers. Um, so I I mean, 
over the last six months or something, I, I think we've actually lost money because we've been reinvesting so much into new sites, into growing sites and stuff. Um, but that's, you know, obviously a controlled and measured measured uh, uh, thing. In terms of raw profitability mm-hmm. for a digital product, which doesn't really have a, a cost besides the, you know, infrastructure, hosting, um, and the time it takes to create the product, it's it's obviously, you know, very, very high. You're talking like 80% net, uh, net profit ratio kind of thing. Right. Uh, which is one of the beauties of this this business model. So, yeah. How do you guys manage the flow of the money and the balance of your money within the business? So, for example, you guys are reinvesting a lot into your team and, and other things. How would you guys, what's the process of you and Gail deciding how much of that you're going to reinvest as opposed to like keeping some for other parts of the business, maybe for marketing or maybe just to hold, just to have it for the following year, that sort of thing? I mean, I, I wish I could say there was like a, a logical, you know, decision ma- decision making process. Mm-hmm. But really, it's just we spend whatever we want at the moment, and it, it's never never been close to a problem. Just because our our profitability is is so high. Right. Um, so I mean, obviously, we're not you know spending on stupid stuff. Um, we're having run a business before. Um, I think we've learned that lesson about throwing, you know, excessive parties and stuff is is not really a, a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. So we're we're pretty sort of tight, I guess. Um, but but yeah, I mean, we really we think of everything in terms of like net present value. So what activity? I mean, there's so many different options of what what we can do, how we can spend money, but what is going to bring the be- the highest amount of kind of current value, you know, over the long run if you if you reverse it. So that's that's kind of our, our 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 method there in terms of like the the flow of money like ar- around the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so much of our our income comes from like affiliate programs, uh, and from which is actually like somewhat consistent because a lot of our traffic is um, is is organics from like Google traffic. So we can for health ambition especially we can kind of guess what our traffic or our income from Amazon is going to be you know next month. Mm-hmm. Um, there are obviously a few spikes here and there in health, especially in like January when everyone starts their New Year's resolution. What's a little bit more uh, wavy is the authority hacker digital product revenue, because for example, it's uh, we, we use a lot of launch. Well, most of our income comes from the launch model. So, um, you know, in May we made a lot of money, but then in June we made we lost money because I mean that's when all the refunds for that. Uh, the 30-day refund policy sort of came came through, okay. so it can be a little bit kind of uh, of a of a I'm not really sure a bit of a head fuck to uh, <laughs> to kind of like think of it uh, in in that terms when you're not seeing this consistent revenue coming in. So you have these really good months, and then you have like a few months after that which are kind of like negative. So that's been a little bit challenging to to get my head around, but. What we've uh, we, we use a tool called Zero, which is a like online accounting software. Yeah, um, and that's really helped us to sort of like see exactly where we're at. So you can sort of customize the reporting and have all sorts of different views and different currencies um, to to kind of get your get your head around that. So that's that's helped us a lot for sure. I'm guessing you guys pay yourself salaries, correct? Uh, yeah, we do. So yeah. I, I'd like to ask you this question. There's probably a lot of listeners that are 
you know, in the five figure hustle, really want to get to the six figure or six figure hustle, really want to get to the seven figure. And um, a lot of them are probably just living off the funds of the business month to month on however they feel comfortable. With. If, if you don't mind chatting a little bit about the decision to create a salary for you and Gail, and then how you guys determined that it was fair compared to the rest of the money and what's going back into the business. Uh, sure. So initially when we had, initially when we sold our, our agency, we made not a huge amount, don't get me wrong, but enough to sort of live off of for a year, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we live in Budapest and Hungary, cost of living's cheap here. So, you know, that, that'll give you an idea to, <laughs> to how little we made off of that sale. But yeah. Um, so then when we started authority or when we started doing authority hacker held ambition full time, it was really a case of, uh, oh crap, we have no no more recurring revenue or no more like stable revenue. We need to make this work. So I think after a year and three months, we we sort of of of, of reinvesting literally a hundred percent of what we were making into growth. We finally got it to the point where it was making I think it was like I I, I forget it was like ten ten k a month something like that. And at that point, we're like, okay, we can start paying ourselves a salary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very low. We were paying ourselves like two thousand bucks a month. Um, that's U.S. Um, which actually in Budapest is more than you'd ever need to, to right. live. I mean, we, we do not have like high, uh, um, like an expensive lifestyle. Uh, we're not into the whole Rolex and sports car kind of industry. So, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're, we're pretty simple people. Um, so just really kind of, uh, saving, you know, as much as possible to, to grow the business. We saw that all the money we we're investing in the business was, was actually, I mean, it took a while. There's like a, a bit of a lag between when you spend money and when it sort of growth occurs, but we saw it was working and it was just a good idea to kind of keep, um, pumping as much, as much in as possible. Um, in the last, I'd say like year or two, um, a year and a half, something like that, um, things have gotten even better and, uh, we, we increased our salary, um, a bit. Um, it's still not, you know, like crazy money or anything like that. Um, but we, what we also did, both Gail and I have, uh, bought apartments in the last, uh, um, in the last year or two. Um, and so we've, we, we actually issued a dividend in order to sort of pay out some more money then, um, so that we, it was kind of like a lump sum agreement, um, so that we could sort of fund those purchases. Um, and that was largely determined by, um, like a previous launch we did, which made quite a, quite a significant amount of money. So we had, you know, instantly some, some spare at that, at that point. So are those apartments for renting or for living? No, just to live in. Just to live in. Um, I mean, it was crazy actually. I'd, I'd lived here in, in Budapest for six years and I, in the same apartment, uh, and I worked out, I paid a third of the guy's mortgage, um, in, in my rent. So, uh, it was at that point, it kind of seemed like probably a good idea to, uh, to stop doing this. Yeah. Let's talk, a uh, kind of work-life balance. How often, you know, you just said you got back from Dubai for three weeks. So how often are you traveling compared to work? You, your home base obviously is in Budapest, but also you have a lot of freedom in your lifestyle. So I'm curious, like how much do you travel compared to staying back in Budapest and working? Oh, mate, I, I'm so sick of traveling at the moment. Like I, <laughs> I would love my ideal 
vacation is to spend you know a month solid in budapest without without leaving nice um so just because of my personal circumstances my girlfriend lives in dubai so i've been been out there quite a lot um you know it sounds glamorous and that but it's really not i mean it's a six hour flight on a budget airline where the seats don't recline <laughs> it's I, I, pro- I promise you as someone who's six four it's really uncomfortable mm-hmm. um i wouldn't recommend doing it while i'm in dubai it's so prohibitively expensive to buy alcohol it's like 15 bucks a pint mm-hmm. um that uh, i just don't drink most of the time you know i live for free in her apartment so it's not like a anything crazy um fortunately living in europe you know getting around here is really cheap uh there's lots of budget airlines so yeah i mean i i just don't really travel that much uh certainly in the last year if i do it's kind of weekend trips with my friends to you know go somewhere check it out that that kind of thing yeah Uh, one one of my buddies here has a car so it's like four hours drive to belgrade from from budapest so you know that that kind of thing yeah is more more where i'm at um i i did i did go to uh somewhere really interesting i went to cuba uh a couple christmases ago uh and that was awesome uh because they didn't have any internet there or it was very almost impossible to find except from in the odd hotel um and so it was it was over christmas and new year and with no internet i just couldn't really do any work um which sounds terrible as like a you know <laughs> no, it sounds amazing most, most, most of your listeners are probably thinking but uh it was actually amazing and it was like the first time in years that i felt truly like relaxed so something i decided to do which i'm going to be doing this christmas new year is um is um actually we have friends in uh in australia so we're going there for a couple of weeks and um we're renting a like a camper van and then just going to drive around the coast from like cairns down to melbourne nice and like just completely switch off uh so i i think there's definitely something to be said for for kind of really unplugging every once in a while I and mean, it was like a couple years since i last did it but um that's that's definitely important and also in terms of work-life balance i'm i work most of the time during the week but i'm pretty sort of strict on myself about not not working on weekends unless we have like a big launch or something coming up mm-hmm. uh, i tend to tend to sort of take the take the weekend off um and the other thing as well is uh you know a significant amount of my my friends are also you know entrepreneurs in online marketing space uh, but I also make a point of actually having a, a group of friends who are just like normal people and like have have nothing nothing to do with that. So that's kind of another way that I I unplug from it all. It's a really great idea. Um, one thing that how old are you now, Mark? Thirty two. One thing that I've noticed is that I and I'm wondering if you're the same. Uh, I've, I've been traveling so much for so long that I really miss vacations. And that kind of sounds weird because, you know, you can say, oh, your life's a vacation. You know, yeah, we do a lot of travel. But at the same time, like you said, just taking two weeks and doing an RV trip across Australia without any internet sounds amazing because we don't get that, right? Like I'm in Lisbon now before I was in Barcelona and pretty soon I'm going to hop down to Thailand, but I'm always kind of plugged in and always kind of working it's something that's interesting because you love the travel you love the excitement of going around the world and seeing these new places and having a way to make money while doing it but then you get a bit tired of you know it gets a bit redundant and you're like ah i need to do a vacation right or proper proper time away 
Absolutely. And I, I don't know, again, whether this is just me getting old or, or what, but <laughs> what really what really sort of changed it for me was, uh, um, you know, traveling around so much and, you know, even renting apartments and stuff. It's all like someone else's stuff. And, you know, you can never really like make a place your, your own. When I bought a place here, um, I bought a pretty expensive set of cutlery, forks and knives. Uh-huh. And it sounds ridiculous, but like that little thing, it like made such a difference to my like everyday, everyday yeah. life. <laughs> Just like, it, cause it was like symbolic of, of something else, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think there's something to be said for kind of uh, having, having your sort of home comforts. And I, I definitely sort of crave routine now more than anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, again, I don't know if that's just me getting older or what, but yeah. Well, I think it just comes with different phases in our lives for sure. And especially if you do travel a lot when you're younger and, and see a lot of places, like you got that part of your life out of you, you know, and you're ready for the next step. So Absolutely. I mean, do you still like enjoy traveling? Do you like look at a map and think, oh, I really want to go here? I do. Uh, Actually, I do quite often. And I think to myself, like, uh, I don't travel enough. However, that's that's me that's abroad 11 months out of the year. But what I mean by that is I'm working so much. And I have a work-life balance like you. My weekends are off, right, almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday through Friday, it's, it's a hard hustle. And I'm thinking to myself, I just want to – I actually, I really want to go to Budapest. I, I haven't just made the time to go to Budapest. And I'd like to spend a week with and hang out with you and Clayton's up there and some other friends. And, you know, go to Nepal. And I got so many places on my list, but like I have to make sure I maintain the work part with that. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I used to have this whole goal of like I want to visit every country in the world. Uh-huh. Um, but I've really I really don't anymore. Um, <laughs> I think the more for me, at least the more I've sort of seen the more it's kind of like it's kind of a bit samey. Like there's yeah. only so many temples you can see before yeah. they stop that like wow factor having that wow factor um and i guess just because i've been traveling not really voluntarily uh so much this year uh and last year as well that i I just kind of a bit sick of it and i was craving a bit of routine more than anything yeah Um, so yeah that makes sense and and one of the things that i've been doing because i do love travel so much is you know and and we travel so much at first a new environment and a culture shock is extremely exciting. You're hearing new languages, experiencing new foods. And then after you do it for so many years, it's not as exciting. So like you mentioned for me, like if I just turn, if I completely unplug and experience that place, it then increases the level of excitement and get into the history. Like I hate like history too. get into the history of a city. And then mm-hmm. that way, you know, it's, it's a new experience without the connecting the dots for working if that makes sense yeah i think it's like anything is you know the more you do something you more get you more you become accustomed to it and the less special it 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 feels in a way so uh you know most of most of my like childhood friends probably like you know think i'm sipping martinis on the beach every day (laughs) you know raking it it in the the beach in budapest yeah (laughs) yeah yeah exactly Uh, (laughs) but it's it's really it's really not like that and just however you know successful or unsuccessful or whichever country you're in you you always kind of i don't know like the human body is like good at just acclimatizing to whatever situation you're in and that just you know you normalize it very quickly yeah Uh, so 
so yeah I, w- I always like to still kind of trick myself and do kind of weird and wonderful and interesting things every now and again just to give give my system a bit of a shock but yeah, yeah that makes sense mark i think we're going to wrap up any other tips that you'd like to give the entrepreneurs that are out there hustling working to build five six seven figure eight figure nine figure businesses for sure, uh, and this is comes from personal experience. Like when you're when you're starting out, like be very aware of this thing I call shiny object syndrome. <laughs> so uh, you'll you will hear people, especially if you listen to uh, you know this podcast and many others out, out there. You'll hear from loads of great successful entrepreneurs making money in loads of different ways. Um, the reason most of them are successful is not because they found some new way that's amazing. Um, it's more that the fact that they just stuck with what they were doing that, uh, and, and kept hustling, kept doing it. Um, and over time, you know, you just, you just get good at doing something and, and it, it, success will, will find you. Um, if you, if you stop and start from scratch all the time, inevitably you'll, you'll never, never get there. Um, so that's that's kind of what what I would say. The other thing as well is when you're moving from like a six to a seven figure uh, business mindset, like you ha- you're gonna have to relinquish control, um, and that's something I find very hard to do. I know a lot of other people do as well, um, but yeah, find find good people, and that 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 ceases to become such of an such of an issue. Very well put, my friend. Mark, if the listeners want to reach out to you or learn more about what you have going on, where's the best place they can do that at? Uh, probably on authorityhacker.com. Um, I run the podcast there, so you can you can check that out. And um, you know, we have a ton of um, blog posts and more information there. So just just head on over and uh, and you can catch me there. Yeah, and we'll put the link in the show notes and uh, also for the podcast as well. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your tips and your tricks and all your wisdom with us. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, Chris. It's been good to catch you up again. And listeners, thank you guys for joining us once again. We're going to wrap up there and see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for the attendees, and you'll get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This This year, our main event will be held in Chiang Mai, Thailand. It is four weeks from October 26th to November 24th, 2017. It will be full of workshops, masterminds, and co-working spaces. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. For those of you that are interested and have some questions, don't hesitate to contact us, theentrepreneurhouse.com. We will respond as soon as we can. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world.